Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Help Me Be Me. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Bates. I'm a writer, director, mom, and a breakup coach with an MAMFT. And this podcast is kind of like a personal relationship in that I talk to you like you're my friend. I provide tools to help you feel more grounded, empowered, inspired, and most of all, help you see yourself. This is aimed at creating more harmony and happiness in the relationship you have with you, so you can better guide your life and also be better to those you love. Take what helps and leave the rest. This is not a diagnosis for treatment. If you're really struggling, call your local emergency services. Hi friends, it's Sarah and this is an episode I'm calling A Thriving Design. It's for building a container for bliss. This is to build a mental sense of sanctuary from the outside in. So this is really aimed at moving through your life in a state of trust and openness. Just for whatever it's worth, I had another episode planned for this week that I am putting on hold in respect for the turmoil that is happening in Israel at the moment. Um, The episode was related to religion and it's not really appropriate for this time. So I just feel like it would color the way people digested it. So know that that is coming, but just not right now. So this is an episode about mental conditioning for building an inner and outer sense of sanctuary step by step, like you would build a terrarium for a pet spider or or construct a stage play or build a house. I'm referencing a lot of metaphors in this one, so just feel free to choose one that resonates most with you. But in general, I just think it's it's really helpful to think about our inner world as very much created and co-created by our outer world and vice versa. So if you alter one, it translates into the other. So you can do inner work or you can do outer work and it'll translate internally or externally. So I invite both processes to come about in the tool section of this episode. But with that introduction, I wanted to ask you, what is the stage that your life plays out upon? Like, I mean, who are the actors? What is the backdrop? What are the themes in this play throughout the day? And this is really an invitation to become conscious of those ingredients and design it like you are consciously designing a play about something beautiful and calming or exciting and romantic or joyful and creative. And I really want you to think concretely, like what words would you plug into that sentence? Like what are just two that come to mind? What are two ingredients or themes that you want to hone in on in your life currently? We really have to isolate those ingredients and remember that we have a hand in conjuring all of them. So be deliberate and conscious in the writing of the course of your life. It's so easy to just forget 
you know, to fall asleep at the wheel and let routine or outside factors design it for you. When we do become conscious and just put a little bit of creativity and play and joy into that, that writing process or that goal setting process, your life is immediately affected by that intention. Your life directly heads toward it. Like you will actually see it show up around you. You, If you have like very clear and beautiful intentions for what your environment, what your day-to-day life looks like, you will actually see that come about around you. And one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is just how important the conditions are in your life. Like what conditions are you currently being subjected to in your day-to-day life? A life that is conducive to happiness and serenity and success really comes down to curating the ingredients that allow for that to happen. It has to have all of the right conditions, just like the little terrarium, you know, we have to design the life that is conducive and supportive to a loop of happiness. And one factor will create 99% of the chaos or unhappiness that you experience in your life. So this is really about how can we create a life that is harmonious, luxurious. And if you feel like you could use a cleanse or a boost in this area, this is an episode for you. For whatever it's worth, the top of my goal hierarchy as an individual in the in my history was always survival and like lack of pain. And that was because I had lived in pain for such a long time. It took me a really long time to and a lot of bravery actually, to start to aim higher than that and to actually take the risk of being hopeful and and claiming for myself something higher than that bar. And it's been a very slow process, but with that process, I have grown to feel worthy of the new high bar. And it has affected the inside of my being to see that life on the outside of my being. So in In other words, witnessing myself build a life that is of a very high bar has created an inner sense of worthiness that has translated to a feeling of confidence and self-love. So I'm inviting you to start the same process in some capacity. Maybe you're already there. This is then an invitation to go higher than that. It's really about teaching ourselves a sense of fuck yeah (laughs) and I can have all the things that I want I can have all of the things that other people have that I feel like I shouldn't have so it's it's about teaching yourself a sense of worthiness by deliberately practicing letting go of fear and a sense of lack like this can be a practice that we rehearse that then becomes true for us but first I wanted to paint a picture of where I was, say, like 10 years ago. I was a person who was constantly managing a symptom. And most often it was anxiety or a feeling of terror, which was kind of vague and misplaced. It was like, what is it? Where is this feeling coming from? I have this overwhelming worry. Where is the worry coming from? And I was constantly trying to hunt for the cause. Like, oh, maybe, maybe it's this. And I would attach it to something. And I really invested in those feelings versus 
maybe instead allowing them to pass. And I think that response drove a lot of actions in a lot of chaotic directions in my life. Like I was, I would say at that stage through most of the therapy I had to do, but I was still like fixated on the wrong things. I had an extreme focus on my body and what was not right about it. And so that meant really checking the scale constantly. And if the scale didn't say what I wanted it to say, it made everything in my life like a gray color. It was so like, oh, this is so wrong. Everything's wrong. And so those ways of thinking created imbalances in my outer world conditions as much as they were um, really the core of the problem themselves. So it was like a cyclical thing. And I'm telling that story to really highlight, we have to isolate what the actual problems are in our life and not attach to the outcomes as the problem. Like we really have to look at like the, the roots. So once I was really able to isolate the issues and let go of how they were solved, it allowed me to now be in a place where I am in a complete sense of balance and peace and therefore I can feel like trust in myself I can feel trust in my body I don't have any of the same issues and I also feel like they're not even important to me they're not a priority anymore it became it corrected itself once I took my need to control it out of the equation so if you relate to any of that in any way maybe it's just the anxiety piece maybe it's the control piece maybe it's the fixation piece I'm going to hopefully have tools for you in this episode. One major caveat, if you are struggling with even starting the process of working on whatever issue you have, maybe it's a negative thought loop or a negative set of habits that are keeping you kind of trapped in a loop that's very unhealthy, I will say shame is one of the greatest obstacles to healing. Specifically things that are addictive, like anything that's addiction-based, shame is like most often what prevents us from seeking help and or a fear that we are completely hopeless. So it's like some part of us doesn't even want to look because we're like, I don't want to know. I don't want to lose all sense of hope by learning that I'm incurable. So if that is your obstacle, if that feels like it's resonating in in any way, If there is some murky residue that's on you from something in your life, I would just invite you to start by healing someone else, helping someone else in a similar area. Like if you can get down to the basement of yourself and give the most primal form of healing to someone else in this area, I would say that's like the greatest kind of like crowbar to separating from the shame it's like as soon as you start to talk about this with somebody else who's suffering or you start to try and help somebody else in a similar form of suffering it's a starting point for this thing to no longer define you it's like it's the the tiniest little leg up on claiming this story as our own and not hiding from it and I say that because we, ha- we always have to start where we are and move forward from that point. 
That is where we start. It's never a bad thing. It just is. It's the hardest part is starting. And so if you are having a hard time just starting, try and give healing in the form of the cut that you have it to anybody else. Look for that opportunity. This is how we start to heal ourselves and have compassion for ourselves and grow proud of the self that we are currently unable to face. So whatever that's for whatever that's worth to anybody, I just feel like that's just a powerful unlocking one way to unlock the hold that this thing might have on you. So with that, I have lots of tools in this episode. Before I go into the tools, first, a brief word from our sponsors. Okay, the tools. The first tool is called Gorgeous Jealousy or Enhancing the Dream. One thing that's really hard to do when we feel limited by a routine or a certain time of our life, we tend to isolate what we aspire toward to what is immediately in front of us. Like we, we lack imagination because we're just kind of stuck in like a similar loop. So the dream that we have or the aspirations we have kind of get reduced by that. So this tool is vision board adjacent. But what I want to do is invite you to seek out jealousy in yourself like seek it out in a positive light anytime you feel it think of it as in some ways a gift like it's a gift of insight whatever the next occurrence of jealousy happens to be in your life know that it's showing you your love it's showing you something in your life that is a deep yearning that maybe you were not aware of so when just immediately if you notice it claim it And I want you to imagine that you're flipping it over. Like it's like you found a rock and you're flipping it over to see the underbelly as a clear invitation. It's a moment of insight in your life to turn on and activate the truth behind a dream. So it's like you just found a hanging light bulb in the attic and you you just pulled that chain and now it's on. It's given you insight. And this attic is full of your childhood dreams. So just know that like that energy of like, huh, I don't want them to succeed or huh, they don't deserve that. That's actually on the other side, your love. It's true love in you that's being lit. Follow that. Follow that toward a new goal that you can claim for yourself as true. It exists in you already. It's already in you to do this thing. You just have to acknowledge it. All right. Next tool is called anxiety digestion. And this is for, I think this is the most important of all the tools because it's really about counteracting that immediate knee-jerk response we have to undo something we actually want or something we actually might appreciate and savor in our lives and hold on to. It's like as soon as we feel hopeful, there's this immediate response that most of us have to say like, no, but no, 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 I can't do that. But maybe, but what if something bad happens? But like, what if this goes away? But it's not going to last. Like it's the immediate stepping back from being fully present and joyful in an experience or in a moment of our lives. And I think that a lot of us have this resistance to claiming joy or claiming hope or dreams. 
Like we feel undeserving of them or we feel ambivalent about them because we're afraid of what they might mean. Like we're afraid, I think at its core, it's about fear of loss of control. There's that controller that only wants certain aspects of something to come forth. And I think that prevents us, that controller prevents us from fully just embracing and allowing ourselves to flow toward what is best for us and what is truly joyful in our lives. Like, I don't know if you can relate to this feeling of when we have a dream or we're, we're saying like, maybe I want to try that thing. Like some part of you will immediately say like, well, but only if, it, if it's this way. But I don't, maybe I don't want it because I don't want this thing or that part of it. That is like the controller. That's the the anxiety piece that we think, oh, but I am actually maybe not cut out for that that dream. It's too big for me. That anxiety layer is false. Follow the sound of my voice. That hesitance to trust in joy, that's like a universal safety response mechanism. And it's bunk. It's like this layer of judgment or struggling for safety. It's like superstition, basically. It's like a very vintage self-protector filter that was, you know, installed on our dream machine a long time ago, but it's obsolete. So just, I want you to recognize that fact and really deliberately let go of that process and dignify the dreams, dignify the joy with full and present respect and let go of the role of controlling it. Like just show up with all of yourself and trust Trust yourself and just practice feeling wholehearted, hopeful investment in what could be. Let go of the job of conditioning what has to be if it's this way or that way. Just let go and instead resume the physical state of hopefulness and openness. That's that's the practice I want you to start to train. I think a lot of us also have this practice when it comes to being able to savor a moment of bliss and success. Like when we have arrived in some way, when something in our life is really genuinely good and new and exciting. It's like there's that knee-jerk response where it's like, but it, but it's going to go away. Like why do that? Why have that? Why take it away? You're in it now. Live in it. Be in it. And just stay there. It's a very expansive moment. Allow yourself to stay there. I had such a knee-jerk response to happiness because of all past trauma. I Immediately when things were good, I had this like overwhelming sense of terror because I was like, uh-oh, something bad's coming. Something really bad's coming. It's always come in the past. That's what's coming now. And my therapist, my old therapist, kind of gave me permission to shed that uh, compulsive set of thoughts. She always would say, Sarah, you can be happy. Your life doesn't have to be filled with pain. Your life can be safe and happy and good things can happen. And even saying it now, even repeating her words now, still kind of reminds my body of that anxiety, that superstitious fear. But it really took me investing in her and trusting her to like start to physically practice letting go of the controller's habit 
of resuming the safety of fear, if that makes sense. It's so much safer to be in a state of anticipating the worst because it feels to our bodies like we're, we're doing the responsible thing. Like when immediate worries take over happiness, it feels like, okay, now I'm doing something. I'm helping myself. I'm taking care of business. But that's all false. It's totally a ruse. We're not actually doing anything other than removing ourselves from the respect and dignity of savoring the present moment and limiting we're, we're actively it's it's egotistical in many ways we are feeling like we are smarter than witnessing what is in the present and not believing we can predict or control the future like how pompous is that to believe that we're like i'm gonna control everything it's silly it's crazy it's also not true so when we are in that process of saying, I don't have that dream though because it only can happen this way because I don't want it to be this, this and that, that is the same exact thought process that's occurring in that moment. So this tool is simply, I want you to begin to acknowledge that response as something that is not serving you, is not true for you, and accept it, just allow it to come about. And really just digest it as a knee-jerk response that occurs, not resisting it. And then second to that is just do a very gentle mantra of resuming openness and stepping back from the role of controller. So what that mantra might be is, maybe everything will be different and better than I can imagine is possible. Or if you want to soften that, I, that's totally fine too. If you still find that you are remaining in that state of what if and fear, like if that still feels like too risky to you to say that mantra, another softer, simpler practice for you to do is just physically practice coming into the body and, and saying, what does trust feel like? What is trust? Just go muscle by muscle and relax into it. Like, let's do it right now. What does trust feel like in your body? What does safety feel like in your body? Let's do it manually. Like for me, it's softening the belly, unflexing the belly, letting the belly kind of hang out, opening the chest, arching the back slightly. What does confidence feel like? Arching the back, opening the throat, relaxing the shoulders. And bonus points if you want to go one step further with me. What does success and power feel like? Like, let's just embody that physically for one moment. That's what we want to teach ourselves to do. In, in the moments we have that knee-jerk response of reducing. And just my two cents on the word power, I feel like it's been given a bad rep because of, it's kind of like interwoven into so many conversations related to like, evil corporate leaders, but I do feel like inherently it's a positive. So I personally am claiming it for my individual mantras. I invite you to do the same. I think it's like really healthy to claim your full individual sense of power and autonomy. All right. That's that tool. I hope it all made sense. I feel like I got super meta parts there. Um, all right. Next tool is called Dream Steroids. And this is a, I would invite you to get a journal for this one. This is kind of journal based. 
What I really want you to do as much as you possibly can with this tool is aim higher than feels comfortable. Like this is a process to imagine and reflect on what the container for your life can look like, can feel like, and what it could contain in this like ultimate and ridiculous future that doesn't exist yet. But I want you to go higher, like aim higher than you normally would. Like not in a way that feels superficial or untrue, but just in a way that feels a little bit like, but yeah, but I can't really have that. That's how am I going to do that? Like that's what people on TV do or that's what other people have or other celebrities have. Or that's That seems ridiculous. Like this is what I want you to just take all of those practical shackles off your brain and just imagine, really imagine concretely the most serene environment and optimal conditions that would promote your serenity and your just feeling of at homeness. Like, let's get specific and really think about it. Like, we're designing a movie, a movie moment, a movie sequence in your life. So, this is the journal prompt, first journal prompt. What brings about a feeling of happiness and calm and also inspiration for you? Just write out a long list of things. It could be anything. They don't even really have to connect. For me, things like running water, natural formations like mountains, trees, being in really warm water. Like make the list as long as you possibly can. And then highlight things that kind of feel visual. And just like in your mind's eye, bring them about. See what they look like. What's a room that has these things? What's a place that has these things? And the next half of this is a, a optional screenshotting assignment. I want you to build a little folder in your phone or wherever you collect images. Maybe it's analog. Maybe it's a physical manila folder. Maybe it's a pink folder. Whatever it is, I want you to just collect imagery of beauty, whatever that means. What are elements you have appreciation for? Like places that invite a feeling of home in your person. Maybe those are art pieces. Maybe those are just photos of locations. These are just swatches of things that invite a, a pleasant feeling for you. Maybe it's a cup. Maybe it's a poster. And then just continue to add to this, this folder, wherever it, it lives. What are things you want to have in your life? What are places you want to go? What are spaces you find calming and elegant? What are the aesthetics of calming happiness? And I just think it's helpful to continually be adding to this because a lot of the time the things we, we want and we like, they evolve and they change. So they might be outdated. So update them. And then the last step in this tool, this one I want you to spend some time when you're kind of like, in a very calm, what I would call theta state, maybe right before you go to bed, I want you to practice in your mind's eye, wandering around this environment in your imaginary future life's container. Like this serene and ultimate environment, take a tour. 
What does the space look like? What's a random moment in this space? You're walking around it barefoot, let's say. Maybe you have high heels on. I don't know. What are you looking out toward? What are the sounds you hear? What does it smell like? And literally see it. What are you doing? Where are you going? What, who is with you, if anybody? Just stare, like take a tour. Just be there for a full 30 seconds, let's say. And I invite you to do that often. I would say like if you can do it nightly, better. Keep doing it. Really just allow yourself to see this place and feel this way. And this is just how we become mentally more aware of what we are heading toward literally in our lives. All right, that's that tool. The next tool I have for you is for if you are a person who is having emotional difficulty or overwhelm in your everyday life. I think that the best way to think about this is we are, you know, when they they clear forest areas, they have to do controlled burns. Same goes for emotion, emotional overwhelm of all kinds. Like we really have to isolate the factors into what I would call piles, like piles of wood. We're going to We're not going to burn them all at once. We've got to separate them into individual piles of factors and reduce them to what they can be, the the smallest increment that they can be reduced to. So for example, this is really about checking your nervous system when things feel overwhelming or difficult in your life. Because, you know, I don't know if you've heard this metaphor of like the gas versus the brake, like that is kind of our nervous system wiring in how we respond to difficult things in our life. And if we have nervous system conditioning, let's say from childhood, from a stressful life condition, like let's say growing up with an alcoholic parent or growing up in instability, it's like your gas pedal and your brake will be like slamming on each or or pressing them both at the same time. It's like, this is how we respond to difficulty in our life. And it will make managing things very difficult including if we are taxed energetically or emotionally so in situations like that what we really have to do is reduce down the factors to their minimum piles and isolate what we can tackle to one thing at a time so for example like whenever I feel super chemically overwhelmed and hopeless or um like I can't handle what's going on in my life, the first pile I can see is like, oh, something has happened. Something chemically is wrong right now. I need to just isolate that and tackle that factor. How can I support my chemical balances? I know I need to get lots of sunlight. I need to exercise. I need to get a lot of sleep. Or maybe if for you, if it's like you're sleeping too much, you need to do the opposite. We really have to teach ourselves how to regulate on such a granular level. So top line, let's check the nervous system. How are we responding to the stressors in our lives? How can we reduce those factors down to their minimum and respond to things, resource ourselves so that we can respond to things in a calm and capable way? And I think, you know, if you're, if you find that you're responding to things in your life in a way that is not resourced, that's just a sign you got to check the brake and gas pressure. It's not about trying harder. It's about becoming aware and stepping back so you can give yourself more resources. Like simple tweaks go a long way. 
So if you are finding you are very overwhelmed in your life, let's just break them down into some piles. Example piles are, these are my issues at work. These are my issues with time and and just energy reservoirs. These are my issues with my relationship. These are my issues with my ability to self-regulate, i.e. chemical factors. And in general, whenever things feel big and intense, that is a sign that things that are old are getting triggered. So the first step for me would be, how do I take this apart with the help of a bounce board? How can I work through some of this, these emotions that are so out of scale? How can I talk to a therapist about that? That's one thing that I've done extensively in the past, but now I'm so familiar with them that I can notice them as soon as they occur. So I just want you to digest all of what I just said in this tool. And then the, f- the second half of this tool is the goal is to really be able to create a me manual. And by that, I just mean like, get to know your own rhythms, like you had a little manual in your glove box. If you are feeling chemically hopeless and overwhelmed, oh, that's a sign that I need to do XYZ. If the conditions in your life are stable, then you can ask yourself, how do I tackle the more complicated and effortful types of conditions that need tweaking my life? Like when you have stability, that's a time when you're like, and now I'm going to really get hands-on with um, my, my, my financial situation or my relationship that I know is not a healthy one. Main takeaway in this tool is don't throw everything into a bonfire. Like how we respond to a negative chain link in our daily chain of events can alter and create the rest of a bad day. So instead of responding with like, fuck it all to hell, everything's terrible, like energetically, the goal is to be able to step back and say, I don't have to react to this thing how can I resource myself? And maybe I can pivot in a new direction. Maybe this isn't a chain, a sign of events to come. Maybe this thing is not so big. Maybe it's over right now. In other words, the goal is to be able to not attach to something that occurs and recall that I can be open. Things will be different than I'm expecting. I am not the controller of the future. And what I want you to really, again, energetically be able to do is if something isn't isn't going the way you want it to or you have like a negative blip in that chain link is to be able to stop, step back and physically resume that, that physical state of trust and openness and non-attachment. That's the goal. All right, the next tool I accept what I am letting go of. So this is the kind of what I just talked about. It's an acceptance practice. If you are finding that your container should not include like a particular relationship, maybe you find that like, oh, this one person is bringing about chaos in my life, or maybe you are accepting less than behavior. Know that we grow out of relationships as we learn to take care of ourselves responsibly. It is a common thing to have happen in your 20s and your 30s and I think for a lot of people can feel we can feel guilty we can feel like we're not being good friends or like we should be more compassionate but it's not about that 
It's really about recognizing when you've grown out of something in your life and it's no longer serving you. So this is a practice for just making peace with that process in yourself and just doing your due diligence of energetically mourning that thing and processing that that moment in your life. So when we have, for example, set a boundary and we have have to, for example, cut someone out of our lives because it's no longer serving us, it can be really painful and bring up a lot of conflicting feelings. So you might feel sad, you might feel guilty, you might feel like I'm I'm hurting them. I'm not I shouldn't be doing this. So this is for helping you in your side of that processing in a way that doesn't engage that person because that's not usually helpful, respectful, positive for anybody. If to engage a person, be like, I am cutting you out of my life. Like that's not helpful. So if you are letting go of a difficult friendship, for example, what I invite you to do is in your mind's eye, bring that person to your mind and send them love and say, I send you love. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And just repeat that in your mind's eye. That's it. That's all you have to do. Know where you are coming from. Accept it. And accept that this is a natural and healthy process. All right. Next tool, container beautification. This is a simple tool. I'm giving you an assignment. I want you to take one step today that beautifies your container. And that can mean you are deleting a part of your life that is causing you to feel stressed or anxious, like, I don't know, a weekly commitment that is not helping, that is causing you a lot of pain, or maybe it's a complicated relationship. Those are big ones that I just called out, but it could also be just like something in your life that's kind of like been sitting on you, that's that's draining energy or, or creating a small sense of chaos in your life. Like for example, repainting a wall that is unattractive and chipped like whatever it is I mean that's kind of big too that I (laughs) beautify one thing in the container the inner or outer container of your life that is just almost like a meditative practice to go through today all right the next tool what fear is no longer serving me or what thought process is no longer relevant one, I just, I just want you to answer those questions for yourself. Like we have these kind of reoccurring thoughts, almost like a reminder to worry about something. And a lot of those come up from our past and they make us feel safe. Ironically, they make us feel like we're, we're doing something to help ourselves when in reality, it's just an obsolete echo. So one thing that I let go of, I don't know when it was, I want to say maybe five years ago, I let go of this fear of overeating. And it would, it's like this thing that would come up in my head where I'd be like, "Uh Oh, I got to start watching it. I mean, I'm getting into a, I I'm probably gaining too much weight now. It's like, as soon as that thought echoes now, I'm like, I don't need you any longer. And you are not true. Why is that? Because I now trust my, I trust myself. I let go of the belief that I needed to police myself. And with that, I am in such a more balanced state. It's like I undid that entire loop of thinking, of overcorrecting. If that one, if that example doesn't ring true for you, 
just ask yourself, what is a worry or fear that might recur now and again that is no longer relevant? Like that's no longer serving you in any way. Just, I invite you the next time that a thought like that arises, acknowledge it, and then just say aloud to yourself or silently to yourself, I no longer need you. You are not serving me any longer. Worry has in the past allowed us to feel empowered. Like we felt safe because we are in the the state of physical pain, of worry. Like I'm not going to get hurt because I'm hurting myself. What we can now recognize as we move through practicing this deliberate state of openness and trust, we are acknowledging the truth that we were never in control. We were just giving ourselves like a fidget spinner to play with. Like we were giving ourselves this illusion that we were doing something when in reality we were not. We were just causing ourselves pain. We can now put this illusion down and physically resume the state of trust. Before I close, I wanted to thank my latest sponsors. Heather, thank you so much for becoming a monthly sponsor. Kellyanne, thank you so very much for your donation. And Anisha, thank you so very much for your donation. The donations really help out this show. If you have the means, I invite you to head to yaywithme.com and hit donate or go visit me on Patreon. If you don't have the means, I completely understand. If you could share this episode with somebody who needs it or leave me a review on iTunes, appreciate that as well. And uh, I hope this episode helps. In closing, what I want to remind you of is that when we move through life in this deliberate state of trust and openness, the energy of our life and all of those around us respond accordingly. We gain more gifts. We gain more opportunities. We resume the most competent, powerful, rational, kind and loving version of ourselves. So I invite us to just do this together right now. How can I resume a state of trust, openness, and optimism in my body? Like, can we all just relax our bellies? Can we open our chest? Let's take a deep breath. This is what trust feels like. This is what confidence feels like. And I'd love to close this episode with a simple intention setting exercise and change this if it doesn't feel right for you or true for you. But my intention I want to offer you is my life is unfolding for me in my favor. I invite all the gifts forth. And with that, I send you my love. And don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.